This is the K-pop cast bringing you the best scenes and ideas in K-drama this week. I'm your host, Stephanie. And hello, everybody. It's your PD Nim, Michaela. And welcoming back to the show, one of our favorite all-time guests, my friend Cynthia, is calling in all the way from Korea. <laughs> What's up, Cynthia? Hello, hello, hello. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be back here um, with K-pop cast Stephanie and Michaela. By way of introduction, I teach at a Korean university. And I also have a weekly segment on KBS Radio with Lena Park, where we get to dish about all the latest K-dramas and films. Ooh, that is so awesome. So we are like really, really excited to have you here for this discussion. We actually had Cynthia on for our last K-drama cast episode where we talked about the glory and yes. went into, you know, all the critiques and the analysis of the that drama. Of so we're like, um, we were asking Cynthia, what should we do next? And Cynthia was like, we need <laughs> to talk about DP. Like she mentioned DP a lot. And I was like, what's DP? <laughs> and so now, like, what is it? A month, a month or two later, here we are. Mm -hmm. We watched yeah. it and we are going to talk about it today. So on this episode, we are diving into a discussion about military deserters in K-dramas with a focus on the Netflix blockbuster Deserter Pursuit or DP. I thought it was called Deserter Police and so I might slip. <laughs> But maybe mm -hmm. if we just call it DP, I won't be embarrassed by that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that, that was my yeah. fault. I kept calling it deserter police when we were talking it about fits. it. That's how I remembered it. it that fits. might actually be the correct <laughs> term. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Deserter pursuit sounds very Netflixy, but it doesn't yeah. sound that Korean, mm -hmm. right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So, like I mentioned, um, in our K-Drama Cast episodes, we've talked about um, a, a couple of other Netflix dramas, including Extraordinary Attorney Wu, The Glory. And um, we asked the question of, do these dramas really move the discussion forward on social issues such as autism and bullying? But today we're turning our focus to DP and whether it is moving the needle forward on the issue of just the military service, the mandatory compulsory military service that all Korean men need to enter like before the age of 30. And the topic of when people try to dodge or desert or for whatever reason don't want to be a part of that because of how they're treated. Like, does this show bring more nuance to that discussion? But before we dive in, guys, don't forget to join the K-pop cast community on Slack. The links to all of that will be in the episode description. So let's get started. So DP, guys, it's been it's been a few months and like two years for me since I, I actually watched the show back when it came out in 2001. Um, so 2001. Yeah, 2001. So 2021. Like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's the heat. I, I was like joking. <laughs> yeah, so this You're came like, out yeah. in 2021. <laughs> um, and the, the Netflix uh, boilerplate for this is, A young private's assignment to capture army deserters reveals the painful reality endured by each enlistee during his compulsory mil call of duty. Yeah, so. Mm. Were there any 
predecessors, like TV shows or movies that have delved into that that military service topic before? I can't really think of any. Yeah, that that's hard. I mean, d- this show specifically was based off of or uh, adapted from a webtoon. So as far as like previous media, you have the DP Dog's Day by Kim Bo Tong, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a very similar story. It's not not exactly the same. It was an adaptation, but it's it's again centered around this character An Jun Ho, who is a DP and who's you know going through the realities of of military service and, and what it means to to go after these defectors. Who you know, there's there's a, I, I love this little quote when they're for the book where it says, "This is a story about how I'm looking for somebody's son, brother, or lover." Like it's, mm. these are real people that I'm I'm going after and treating like criminals. And so it yeah. looks like there's, yeah, there's some other films that have maybe touched on this too. Yeah. The, the Unforgiven, uh, Blackstone. I also thought maybe Shirmido might be a good reference too. This was a blockbuster hit that came out um, in, when was it? Like the early aughts, 2003. Mm-hmm. It was one of those almost, you know, chanman yongha, I think, you know, 10 million mm-hmm. views. That's right. Oh, it was the first film to get over 10 million tickets. Wow. And it was, yeah, no wonder it was by Kang Woo-sok, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh. early odds kind of, you know, director of these mega hits. And it starred Sar Kyung-kyu and An Song-ki. Right, mm-hmm. you know is ah, okay as well, Chong Jeo, mm-hmm. and it's sort of loosely based on a real life story about these like military commando type groups, like basically assassins, mm. whose one mission was to assassinate like Kim Il Sung. Whoa! But right. <laughs> you know it fell through, and they decided to desert. Right, what? Mm-hmm. they sort of desert, mutiny, desert. And, you know, they made it all the way almost like surprisingly close to the Blue House. Oh, Right? So, yeah, I mean, the movie is very loosely based on this historical incident. Mm -hmm. But I think it kind of had this essence of like when the military or when the government really kind of makes like just uses these young men, right? To their ends. And then just make them, I mean, just treat them like expendables, uh, right? So yep. I think that really hit home. And it, I think it was released on Christmas Eve or something, which is, oh, again, a really popular time for right, movie yeah. viewing. So yeah, like this sort of confluence of factors that I think made okay. this movie super popular. Got it. No, thank you so much for explaining about yeah the the context of how it was received in Korea. We're sometimes you know from from across the world we're you know we're not as aware of how certain things were were received critically and by the audiences. So thank you for that. We over here in the like K-pop fandom world, mm. we're we're all, we're talking about oh where do we see the military in K drama and <laughs> it was like rom coms come to mind or yeah. yes. Crash Landing on You, oh, Descendants of so the much Sun. Fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. like all fun. It's just all these like hot buff guys like running around <laughs> yeah. the base. Just, the just an excuse to see men in men in uniform mm, <laughs> and out exactly. of uniform. Mm, out of uniform. <laughs> 
<laughs> shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Or we uh, we as K-pop fans, like that's what we're served on, you know, Netflix or Vicky. And we're often not shown the more serious um, pieces of, of art. Right. right. But, um, but that's that's why we're here today. You want to give us um, more info about this particular show, Michaela? Yeah, I mean, just like looking at the, the the point in time that it came out, this was again back in 2021. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And it was actually premiered around the same time that Squid Game premiered. Mm. So it, it was kind of this this era of looking at these Netflix K-dramas and seeing them go places that you would never see K-dramas or, or Korean television go before because they are Netflix dramas. Mm. And in, in Squid Game specifically, you see a very uh, graphic portrayals, very uh, similar, I guess, uh, critiques of, of the system in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, with DP, I think it, it definitely got a little overshadowed, at least in the international totally. community because of Squid Game. I didn't even hear about it until yeah, yeah, Cynthia but, mentioned it. Yeah, but it was it was very popular in Korea. I know. I think some of the the ratings was it was like the number ten show at some point on, on Netflix in Korea, and it it sparked a lot of you know these discussions again of like why the DP actually exists. Mm-hmm. And during this time, the military had to to make like press releases about the fact that they are actually in mm-hmm. the process of disbanding the DP. Um, <laughs> but again, this is in twenty. 2022 that they actually disbanded the dp so this this is spoiler issue that has been around a while it's it's recently been taken care of as far as like it doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. in that form at least Mm -hmm. yeah and i think my cat sorry you mentioned also there were it was a breakout show for a lot of Young actors, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. During the second watch. Okay. When I watched this the first time, there was only a few people that I recognized. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Obviously, the the leads like Jung Hae-in and uh, Ko Kyung-pyo I recognized. But then going through, I'm like, oh, here are all these actors from all these Netflix dramas Mm -hmm. that were so popular Mm -hmm. after. So, like, you had, like, Shin Shin Sung-ho, who was, like, really popular in um, The Alchemy show or oh gosh what was it called alchemy of souls mm. yeah alchemy of yeah. souls then you have like hong kyung who's like really who was uh, like one of the the breakout hot guys from uh attorney you <laughs> like there there's just so many guys in this cast first of all it's a very male and cast cool from our liberation notes yeah <laughs> yeah like all, all of these guys really got a breakout or, or this is definitely one of those shows where you see them, you know, each of their characters having their moments. And then you see, OK, this is like the show where they got to go and do those other big things later in the next the following years. Yeah. I mean, I just did sort of a sh- short run through yeah. of mm-hmm. like basically every sort of face I could kind of recognize. And you, you were mentioning Son Seok-gu, Shin Seung-ho, but like that guy the older guy Hyunbong-sik. yeah <laughs> it's hilarious yeah. um he's actually one of the younger actors <laughs> actual he was like 84 he's younger than son Seok-gu and he's younger than no jong yeah he's what? one of those like actors that are really famous for looking older than <laughs> his actual age so he's always playing like the you know the manager or like the konde manager right, right. wow 
Um, you mentioned Hong Kyung, and right now I'm in, sort of enjoying him in Aki with Kim Teddy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that you know Korean sort of ghost drama from mm-hmm. you know um, it's playing. I think the last show is airing tonight. But yeah, cool. um, yeah. I mean, previously like, in a Week Hero Class, like mm-hmm. I think that was also a very popular show. I mean, like there's Yusubin from Crash Landing on You, Cheon mm-hmm. Hyunuk, who really hit it. Next last year with twenty five, twenty one. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Im Song Jae. I really like this guy. Like he's kind of a new face, and he really hasn't kind of hit it big in big shows or main sort of mm. mainstream cinema. But he's mm-hmm. had quite a few roles in like indie cinema, oh. and then this one series called Unframed. It's like this sort of I think four different. Actors, including Son Seokgu, mm-hmm. uh, wrote and directed these sort of 30-40 minute films. And he's oh. in one of them. And it's nice. apparently he also has a role in the next Jiho mm. Netflix series as well. Oh. There's two female actresses that really caught my eye as well. It was Izar, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. From, in, in, she had this big breakout role with Nakbuni Hyungsa. Mm-hmm. And then Jung Daeun. I like, I saw her just recently in Sanyang Keder. I think mm. she played the sort of the, you know, the archery girl mm-hmm. <laughs> near the end of the series. Mm. Yeah. So I'm kind of amazed by this like huge pool of talent, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I think yeah. the, the last, the last actor I'll met. Uh, mention is uh, mm-hmm. Lee Jun Young, uh, a member, yes. former member of Yukis. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Hey, for the K-pop three. fans out there, it was so it was so interesting seeing him in such a an yep. aggressive, violent role, like yes. very very <laughs> different from his his mm-hmm. idol persona. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, baby Jun, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, baby Jun, because <laughs> he's he's the Mangnae. He was the Mangnae. Uh, well, everybody's got to grow up. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of K-pop, that's a nice transition. Uh, you know, Michaela and I were prepping for this show and we were like, what's the what's the tie in here to K-pop fans? Or like, how do we as K-pop fans often hear about the military service? And to be honest, when I was coming up and I was just like listening to K-pop purely, mm-hmm. I would just hear all of a sudden that one of my idols, one of the boys from a group is like being shipped off to military service and we see the like really cute pictures of them with their short hair and with their uniform on smiling. Bye. I'll see you in two years. And then they come back and they're like usually pretty buff and tan and they do like a sexy comeback song. And it's like, Hey, (laughs) so it's like this almost like fun, lighthearted experience for many of us foreign K-pop fans to you know, say goodbye to our idols. They're going to do their duty for the country and then they Mm -hmm. come back and everything's fine, Mm -hmm. right? We um, only in little hints here and there or interviews, do you get even a joke or a sarcastic comment about Mm -hmm. what people actually go through in their military service? And with with that said, I I do want to say that I'm pretty sure our idols do not go through um, you know, the life in the barracks and the hazing and yeah. the abuse mm-hmm. to the level that, you know, non, non-celebrities do. I think but they go I through. Could, I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think they go through the regular training camp, mm, but mm-hmm. often like celebrities are sort of shift. I don't know, are moved into these sort of celebrity uh, kind of units, you know, that entertain the troops or something like that. Yes. I mean, there was a scandal earlier. Every once in a while, you know, a scandal pops up about how they get preferential treatment. Yep. You know, they get time off yeah. longer than others and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, so. uh-huh. But then there are also some celebrities that volunteer to do like going to Hebyongde or something. <laughs> Right. Like, whoa, you know you don't have to do that. (laughs) And they really do the full (laughs) service. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know. They want to feel alive or something. They want (laughs) to. On on notes of of some idols being in in more performance uh, driven, there there was a big viral video that went around last year of of a bunch of idols doing uh, girl group songs, specifically New Jeans covers in yep. the full, oh. like, army combat fatigue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and videos of, like, we had brave girls rolling, mm-hmm. all the military mm-hmm. guys doing the cover dance of that. So it just, it's all fun and games, right? Yeah, from the, from the K-pop fan <laughs> perspective. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we get this totally warped picture. But every now and then articles come out in the K-pop news cycle about um, celebrities who have attempted or successfully dodged the military draft. Mm. And then it's like a huge scandal. They have to like disappear from entertainment Mm. if they get caught doing this. Um, I Mm -hmm. remember MC Mong in 2010 Mm -hmm. was accused of um, trying to get out of military service by pulling out his own teeth or getting them pulled. He was cleared of those charges, but he was found guilty of, you know, deliberately delaying his enlistment on false grounds. But but yeah, I just remember he had to leave. No one wanted to see him on TV Mm -hmm. and music or anything for many years. And even even worse was this guy, Steve Yu, yeah, in 2002. Yeah, a little older. Yeah, yeah, 2002, a Korean-American who, like, still to this day is not allowed in Korea because, like, on pretty much right before his enlistment date, he uh, gave up his Korean citizenship for American citizenship, like, purely mm-hmm. to get out of it. So that's just, like, ooh, the yeah. most dishonorable thing. Over you over 20 do. years of being basically exiled from entering the country. Out, oh my goodness. Um, when yeah. I still, you know, um, you know, when I listen to podcasts and his name and mm. the current sort of um, current uh, article pops up, people still are like so angry. Mm. Like basically this, like military service is such a touchy issue for Korean men. Yeah. They have long memories when it comes to <laughs> celebs who think, you know, sort of dodged the draft or, you know, it's just got preferential treatment in whatever way. I mean, there was a huge fervor about BTS, right? For the past couple oh, of yeah. years over this as well. Oh, yes. We, we discussed at length here at the K-pop cast. <laughs> 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 what are all the different angles and like, should mm-hmm. they have to go? Should there be an exemption? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was They intense. went to the White House that one time. And do, you get, do they get exempt from that? Like what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, Steve, you can actually like visit Korea. Uh, uh, yeah. You can get the visitor visa that mm. any American citizen can get. But Ouch. what he specifically wants is the F4 visa that allows him to work here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. To, you know, 
open a bank account, you know? Uh-huh. And so there are some kind of rumors that he is really itching to sort of start an Asian career. I think he's already mm. maybe done some work in China mm-hmm. and he wants a sort of a legal foot sort of mm, a um, you know, base. Like a base, yeah. yeah. In Korea, right? Psh. With the F4 visa. Good luck with that, man. <laughs> like you kind of made your choice, you know, but yeah. Yeah. When I was, when I was looking into this, cause I was seeing if there was any updates on his story, cause I'd seen his, mm-hmm. his name pop in, up in the, in the, the news recently, because there were some yeah. courts that were ruling in favor of him getting an F4 mm-hmm. visa, though we're, we're still waiting for, for final updates, I think on that. But when they, when he was initially turned down, when he tried to appeal before, like the the quote, I believe that the court said was that, you know, his act constitutes a threat to the maintenance mm. and order in South Korea and the public interest. Hey, now. And that was that was like that that really like put home the idea of how he is viewed in, in Korean society for mm. dodging his military service. Yeah. I mean, even DP, right? The opening sequence. Yeah. There's like... Uh, actual quote from, yes. I think, the Military Act referencing, referring yeah. to the Korean Constitution, saying that Ooh. all, you know, men, all adult Korean men have to serve in the army, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the Constitution and, you know, the Military Act. Yes. And ju- just as a note to our listeners, we would have loved to have a Korean man on the show talking about their service, but we all kind of asked around the folks that we know and they were they were not really interested in speaking on the air mm-hmm. about it um so like if if any of you out there uh you know have have comments or want to come on and and talk about this definitely join our slack hit us up um we would love to to hear more of the perspective of people who have actually gone through it so moving on to deserter pursuit I wanted to first start with the show as a piece of of art, right? We're going to get mm-hmm. into the social commentary first, but I know that like especially Cynthia, you had really astute points about how artfully this show was was written and filmed and you just want to like spend some time talking about that first. Um oh yeah, um you know, DP is deeply <laughs> critical of the Korean military, right? Yes. And I think they sort of, the show shows how it doesn't just represent the military um, structure or organization. It actually represents a lot of the sort of ills of Korean society as well, mm. right? Yeah. When we talk about widespread bullying and hazing in the military, you see the same kind of problems in the schools, in, yeah. you know, cor- in companies, it's sort of everywhere. And there is this sort of Korean mindset about survival of the fittest, right? Mm. Yeah. Right? Uh, sure. You don't want to be the loser or the loser <laughs> right? in the game. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh-huh. It's survival. Oh, we, we know all I mean, about that over here. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of Koreans, when they watch DP the first time they were kind of shocked with this mm. really gritty, really in your face portrayal yeah. Yeah. of the military. And, you know, a lot of Koreans that I've spoken to have told me, you know, they 
they think that this series was made only what's made possible only because it was produced by Netflix. Yeah. Mm. They thought that if it were produced by a Korean broadcaster, you know, the show would have felt a lot of pressure from the military, yeah. from the government to tone mm. down its portrayal. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, after, you know, DP became such a hit on Netflix, the army TV service, apparently there's some only, Uh-oh. oh, sorry, a U- their YouTube channel mm-hmm. produced this short YouTube clip talking about the current Oh, per, yeah. You know, Hyundai <laughs> Mosub. You know, uh, right? K okay. Gunde, yeah. right? The right. K Army. Yeah, that is something I forgot to mention at the front that this mm-hmm. was set, the, the show takes place in 2014. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the current, like, mm-hmm. uh, mm. but they did that I'm on, skeptical per, that much has yeah. changed. <laughs> Tw- they did a good job of choosing 2014. Apparently, that was when yeah. a lot of like horrible, horrific mm. things happened, you know? Like some of the, you know, the ending of the show, we don't want to give it away, but apparently that was based on a real life, you know, tragedy that occurred around this time. We can just say, yeah, Mm -hmm. spoiler, spoiler alert for those who have not watched the show. Um, We we are going to, yeah, we we, we can talk about some of the scenes that happened. Yeah. Anyway, so the Korean Army YouTube channel put out this sort of propaganda-like clip. Wow. And then... The comments were so awful that they actually <laughs> took it down. <laughs> right? What did they expect? Come on. I know. I mean, they really, yeah, they do not have a, <laughs> a pulse for how people are feeling. I know. I mean, like the sort of visceral reaction from the male viewers, especially, right? Because yeah. the show was just shot so well, produced mm. so well. Um, there's a lot of detail in sort of the visuals, the costume, the set design, so yeah. much so that Chang Yein in his interview said that like he got a bit of like PTSD, right? Whoa. He, you know, from his army days because he just felt like he was transported back to his service, Ooh, right? That's too real. And he would actually, you know, respond like, Ibyong Chang Yein. <laughs> with not his Ibyong Anjuno, his character yeah. name, but he would just Ibyong Chong Yein, you know, because he just this felt so real to him. Wow, yeah, and I'm sure like that he is. I mean, I'm I'm not sure, but um, I'm guessing a lot of folks have not done any like processing, like mm. trauma healing or therapy around. Yeah, like, therapy is not through. big here no. in Korea, too, right? <laughs> No. And since like everyone has to do this, I think everyone just sort of mm. believes, you know, all Korean adult men have to go through this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, well, not sometimes, but everyone tells them this is what turns boys into men. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. they sort of take this for granted. But yeah, it's actually a pretty horrible experience, I think, for almost all. Yeah, all it, begs, it begs the question of what what is a man? What exactly yeah. are they turning you into? What's the goal? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, someone that was, <laughs> that, that was the, the part that hit the hardest, like the, you know, on the topic of like boys to men, the, the intro mm. for this yes. show yes. is just this, this, this basically timeline of like this right. young boy, like when he, when he used to have his like his hundredth day ceremony, right. and then you just right. see him like, oh, in like school plays as a, as a young kid and then like playing right. soccer and like going to high school and like talking to girls in college. 
And right. then all of a sudden it cuts to the, the entrance ceremony and everybody's right. hair is short. And it, it was, when mm. I first watched this show, I right. was like, it was so sad. <laughs> Just right? from yeah. the start. Like that's when you knew, when you know this is a great show that they put yeah. a lot of effort and thought into everything. Because, I mean, it seems like a very sort of nostalgic montage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, at first. <laughs> at first. But the more you see it, you, there's like sadness. And then yes. the last scene or shot where he just, Chung Yein just looks into you and you know, he's thinking, what is going on in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you just feel so sad for him. Right. Yeah. And then he turns away and he's just a, a one bald head in the sea of <laughs> <Yes>. bald heads. <laughs> yes. yes. Right. That's really well shot, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how it, how it at once gives you the feeling of Wow, this is this could be anyone, and this is everyone. This is a big mm-hmm. group, a big swath of our society going through this. Yeah. But it is also like hyper focused, mm-hmm. individual, personal, emotional story. Yeah, and I was kind of interested in the way, like, um, their DP, right, director of photography, decided to shoot this series with this sort of lighting and colors. I mean, Mm. you have this sort of like fog-like, mist-like effects at the army base, especially. Yeah. Right? And there's sort of like color grading to give this drama a vintage feel. Because it is set in the past, 2014. Yeah. Kind of like an Instagram filter, right? And often you see this in movies and dramas when they're doing a flashback scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole time I I felt like I'm watching more of a movie than a TV show because of the look. Yeah. But, you know, on one hand, it, yeah, it, the whole series feels like a flashback, right? But I also felt it to be a little bit like nightmarish. You know, it's not a pleasant memory, right? The colors, the saturated colors, you know, the orangey sort of teal like colors. Mm. And I think for a lot of Korean men, right, they watch this thinking, oh, this is like a nightmare from the past. Ouch. Right, especially the evening scenes. Right, a lot of the sort of hazing takes place at night. Right, right yeah, under the cover of darkness. Oh yeah, and I just thought, wow, you know, no wonder, you know, the movie. Oh, sorry, it's the like series. super quiet. There's no other noise around the base. Mm-hmm. You just yeah have the scene playing out of the bullying. Right. So you know, I just thought this whole team really put a lot of thought and effort mm-hmm. into, you know. To make this experience, like their experience of the army, come to life, right? Mm -hmm. To Mm -hmm. use all the sort of tools at hand to make that, you know, sort of vision realized. Yeah, because there there are those moments that are that are feel very real and raw, Mm -hmm. and then there there are also very more uh, surreal moments, especially like in the cases where where. and Junho was having his flashbacks. That mm-hmm. was that was something parts that confused me the mm-hmm. first time because me they do too. suspend reality in situations mm-hmm. where he's, you know, on his night duty and he's right. you know seeing visions in each of the the prison cells that he's guarding of of his past. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and even the very last, you know, the final scene, right, which is again spoiler alert, but <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, it, it looks like he's actually deserting the army. Right. I know, right? Right. <gasps> right. But obviously he's coming back for DP2. So, yeah. 
<laughs> that's not the case. I mean, it's like an emotional dessert, like saying, I'm not mm. just going to follow and follow orders blindly. Yeah, because yeah, he sort of that's the, the first step. He decides right. to, to walk away from the group that's marching right. in one direction just and doing he goes in the opposite direction mm-hmm. towards the gate. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, honestly, like when the credits rolled on the end of the first season, I was like, man, I'm done with this. <laughs> but then but then the post credit scene came on and he walked away and I'm like, right. all right, I'll watch a little more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, because I, I was like, how can I root for this character that just continues to go along with everything? Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's conflicted. Yes. But I was like, I need to see more resistance like stat. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, but but for for me. I think the the fact that that action he took was only at the very end and I was left wondering before that, I was like, is he going to resist or not? Mm. Um, I think that's I think part of that is because the show struggled with what genre is it trying to be mm-hmm. like there was a buddy cop action yes. feel mm-hmm. to it in a number of the episodes that mm-hmm. um kind of rubbed me the wrong way mm-hmm. as I was I was really hoping to get into um yeah like critiquing and resisting this system mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden I'm on like a funny like comedic high speed chase you know like toppling over mm-hmm. barrels and you know chasing the bad guy and um there wasn't much questioning in those scenes it was like for mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. um and so I was just like hmm okay when are we getting to you know, um, but but I I I do like some something lighthearted, but I think mm-hmm. in the context of a police show, like portraying the main characters chasing a bad guy, quote unquote, as like fun, happy, that is it's problematic to me, mm-hmm. um, or it sends the wrong message, yeah, or it, con- it conflicts, yeah, especially in the case of like they're they're trying to say that what they're doing or what we, we can interpret is what they're doing is actually wrong. Mm. But when they're, when they're gamifying it and making it fun, it, it, it detracts from, from that message. A bit, a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, that was, yeah. that was my main thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I kind of enjoy those scenes. Because oh, I have yeah. a tough time <laughs> watching a series like this. Like if yeah. I had to do like six episodes of those night evenings or the hazing mm. scenes, I could not watch this series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, Koo Gyo-wan's character, right? He's the one that that character adds a lot of kind of humor into the series. Oh, yeah. He wasn't actually part of the original webtoon. Kim Bo-tong yes. and mm. um, the director decided to create a new character just for Koo Gyo-wan, right? And I think they wanted to balance out some of the you know, the tragedy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with sort of the humor. And they used, they purposely used um, this sort of detective kind of like, you're right, buddy cop genre into the show, yeah. I think, to make it a little yeah. bit more palatable, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that Busan scene, do you remember? <laughs> they were, they were when they're on the tour bus? I know. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh... Yeah, I love I mean, that actor. He's hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's wonderful. But I, but I was like, oh, I don't want to be laughing along mm-hmm. with a cop who's doing like arresting people who shouldn't be arresting. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, know he's but, not yeah. a cop, right? He's mm. an army. He's just like a soldier like everyone else. That's the funny thing about DP. Uh, 
They don't use professionals. They just use <laughs> just whoever, <laughs> other whatever you know, like soldiers. And you know, in the episode one, the um, qualification for getting into DP was like if you're above one seventy five, then you get into the short list. Exactly. <laughs> and that is totally like, are you like the army. <laughs> it's like there's no rhyme or reason to this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I love those kind of details because mm. all the while, you know, the writer and the director is saying, this is the army. Like it just represents all of these sort of like hierarchical, irrational aspects of Korean society. And you see a sort of crystallized in the army where the army, right? It's really a really closed sort of uh, unit or entity to itself. It gets no sort mm-hmm. of um, odd sort of auditing is there nope. or comes out yeah. from India, hardly any other, you know, um, government organization. Yeah, who right? would? Who would do that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's if, risky. <laughs> right. <laughs> if they're like, if they're, if some soldiers are charged, they get their own military court, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of, just wait, we, we were on a tangent. <laughs> what was our original I know, point? I know. <laughs> So we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're okay. still, yeah, we're talking about the genre here and the acting, the actors we loved. What were some of our more most memorable performances mm-hmm. or scenes in the show? For me, it was absolutely Choi Hanchar. Mm. You know, he has a nickname. He's called the Joaquim Phoenix of Korea. What? <laughs> they really? Think he, they believe he has a sort of intensity, which is kind of funny because he also has this sort of very cute, nerdy persona as well yeah right but that scene you know it's that nightmarish scene where he's running down this very narrow passageway in this apartment building right the director uses yeah. a body cam mm-hmm. to get this full effect of yes. how basically his you know emotional state like his right mental state is just breaking down he's just falling apart right he's mm-hmm. yeah it's a mental breakdown Mm-hmm. And yeah, because this is it, this is after his character Sukbong has first, uh, you know, attempted to to take revenge on mm-hmm. his bully, yeah, uh, right, Huang Jiangsu. Jiangsu, yeah. Mm-hmm. After after Huang Jiangsu has like uh, left the military and has gone back to being a civilian, is like a sad guy working in a <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was pretty yeah. funny. That they had him working at a convenience, convenience store, store after getting, he was like getting such berated a big by shot his manager in the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember exactly the scene you're talking about. And I, I was pretty impacted by that, that camera right. work. I felt like I was there with him. Yeah. Um, I believe he won Best Supporting Actor at the Pexone Awards for his awesome. performance. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just thought that was an amazing scene, you know, um, and the rest of his performance, too. It was just so brutal. The final episode as well. Yeah. Oh my I God. mean, they, there, there fight- were scenes when he was the one doing the bullying yeah. as well. And I, yeah. I, that, like, that's, that's what I wanted to see. Like, not, not, not that I enjoy watching bullying, but, uh, but I, I really wanted more of like, where do bullies come from? Right. Or like, how, do, how does it start? What is the trajectory into bullying behavior? So many of these villain characters just like they start as evil. And that's not as interesting to me as um, what we saw with him and like where where the behaviors come from. Yeah, he was like an artist. 
yeah. beaten down by the system and exactly. turns into this sort of monster. Kids. Right. <laughs> Follow your dreams. You know, that was, he was like, yeah. Yeah, and his nickname so was uh, Bongdi, like Gandhi. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> Too sweet. No, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wrap, wrapping up, I guess, the section of, of just scenes, definitely the most memorable. And I think, you know, because it was such a such a visceral imagery has to be the ending uh, where where you see Sukbong's character just after he's attempting to take his own life just this this massive like all you all you see is blood like you can barely like make mm. out a face and he's just calling out for his mother mm. and then you hear An Junho just letting out this this scream and it's not it's not like a masculine scream it's very like <laughs> a visceral just I am looking at the most horrible thing in, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And again, watching this back in 2021, I was like, oh, okay. This this is a reminder that this is a Netflix show. Like, because mm-hmm. if you're watching mm-hmm. this on like, network, what? it would have just been like all They're blurred. showing and, this? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Oh. And and as far as like, again, this, this came out around the same time as Squid Game. And Squid Game, they yes. show you everything. But yep. this show, I feel like, well, you do see a lot of like... Uh, you know, violence as far as like the most, I feel like they are a little bit more pur- purposeful in the the things that they do ch- choose to show mm. you. Because it, it you know, again, with that scream that he lets out, it takes me back to episode one, which ends on the mother seeing her son's body after he mm-hmm. he's defected and also takes his own life. Mm-hmm. And the scream that she lets out, which when I first watched, I was, I, I noted that they're really, they they don't cut away from it. They really just yep. hold on that scene and let you hear it mm. and hear the actors' reactions to hearing it and, and letting you know that this is again, you're starting off the show really honing in on the the emotional and traumatic effects that these experiences in, in the military have on not only on the, the the soldiers, but also the families as well. Yeah. Really powerful and, and I think Michaela, you were saying that the writers or, or, or was it the director that wanted to, um, you know, take a step towards changing things by showing the raw personal human side of this like larger social phenomenon. I think that was their their goal here is to, you know, take the story from just news headlines or like a larger social thing and make it like really personal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was the, these scenes and these screams in particular that did it. Yeah. Cause again, going from, from the trailers, me going into the show in 2021 thinking it's just going to be this, this happy go lucky buddy Ooh. cop thing. Yeah. And I actually, I actually started because I was, I was a little not sure if I was going to like the show. I started on episode two, which is a lot of that. So going back yeah. and doing the rewatch and watching episode one and oh, then going man. through the whole show again, it's like, oh, okay, so this was actually there from the beginning that it yeah. was going to be this this very intense show showing mm-hmm. you the you know the trauma of of these kinds of events. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to, so I was looking for for some quotes that the 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 director was talking about for for season two, and he he did kind of mention like with. With this first part and the second part, he, you know, he mentioned in in an interview specifically that he says that they can't stop injustices that keep happening. 
But mm. as we develop and make this series, we want to keep it in our mind and keep putting it in our thoughts and think that that's the most important, like the, that's the most important part about making this series is, you know, I don't think he doesn't think that this series is just the show is going to, you know, stop all of these horrible things from happening, but, you know, showing it and keeping it in people's minds, especially people who haven't been exposed to this for the first time, that that's where the change can start coming from. Yeah. I think also like he, you know, you were talking about, you know, where does uh, bullying star, you know, how does sort of the sort of circle of violence kind of aspect. But I think he also, I remember an interview where he talked about feeling guilt. He's not as a perpetrator, right? Mm, of violence, yeah. but as a sort of bystander. Yeah. Right. And he, I think it's not just him personally, but just Korean society, mm. kind of this willing bystander, you know, closing their eyes to these injustices and tra- yeah. tragedies happening in the army. Yeah, that that's the big thing for for Junho's character is it's like mm-hmm. he's he's a bystander in in the abuse in the army. He's he's been a bystander in his past with seeing his mother abused by his father, and we we see those in in those flashbacks when he's when he's you know on duty. The and his mother is like I can't I can't remember the specific thing that she says, but. I think she she it's to the effect of like why why haven't you done anything right mm. or like why and then he gets the, that question a lot yeah <laughs> like what what are what are you doing why haven't you done anything to stop mm. this and he gets that question again like at the beginning in the middle and then even the at very the very end, end where mm. you see that the the sister of the of the uh, soldier who had committed suicide yeah, the first one mm-hmm. they meet at the crematorium and she's like. If you knew he was getting bullied, why didn't you do anything to, to stop it? Mm. So that's definitely the, the constant question throughout this first part of the series. Yeah. Well, let's let's take it home. You know, let's <laughs> let's take it into the last part of the discussion, which is, you know, as a piece of social commentary, did DP make a helpful contribution to this global conversation about, um, you know, abuse? occurring in the Korean military. And you know, Cynthia, you're saying Korean society at large. I definitely see that that connection, the different hierarchical structures and the abuse inherent in that. Do we think that this show is going to have an impact in helping to change things? Well, you know, I mentioned before how a lot of Korean male viewers felt sort of like this nightmare, right? Revisit, mm-hmm. Revisiting yeah. their nightmares in the army, right? It, DP brought back a lot of terrible memories of their military service. Almost like any Korean guy I've spoken to have like almost nothing good to say about their <laughs> army experience, yep. right? As I mentioned before, Koreans always sort of routinely say that, you know, the army turns boys into men, mm. but what really happens is that, you know, these guys, these men learn to accept the absurdity of Korean society, right? Mm. Blind obedience to authority, yep. whether it's like in their schools, in their workplace, uh, you know, from their political leaders. And they learn to accept these sort of 
irrational social structures that's just sometimes based on age. I mean, mm-hmm. Koreans speak in honorifics mm. to their classmates if mm. they were born a few months earlier than them. Like, right. you know, like if you're right. born in December versus f- February of next year, <sighs> right? Mm-hmm. There is hierarchy in almost every social relationship, mm. right? And you, they learn that in the army. Sometimes, it, and in the army, it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Rules and sort of these rules of like rationality that we follow in sort of normal society, they don't even apply in the army, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. remember in the first episode, they chose the military officers by height. If you're over <laughs> 175 centimeters, you get on the short list, right? Mm. It's things, I, I think it's basically, you know, they learn how to be yeah. kind of obedient clogs, cogs in the system through mm-hmm. the army. Yep. And they learn that, you know, um, just follow. There's, there's nothing to be gained from actually criticizing or challenging the system. Yeah. Otherwise, you get beaten up, right? Oof. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. Thank you for for sharing that and and, and putting it so well. Like in inherent, like there, there there's a thread here that like inherent in those hierarchical structures and relationship is the the concept of authority, like power mm-hmm. over the person who is younger than you, smaller than you, more junior to you. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they have less experience in something and they should, you know, listen to your advice. It's like, no, you, you as the superior person, you now have like full reign or power over this person's body, like at a, in a very, to- in a total way. You mentioned Huang Jiangsu, right? Mm, yes. Like after the army, he was such like, he was big man in the army, yeah. right? Bullied everyone. But once he got out, you know, he doesn't really have an education. He has no mm. job experience. So he's working like as an Arba somewhere, right? Mm, mm-hmm. The army does that. Actually, in the army, sort of the usual sort of uh, hierarchy based on socioeconomic class mm. or age, that actually doesn't apply in the army. In the mm. army, it's when, you know, on the year or even like the month that you were, you started the army, uh. right? So even you may like kowtow to someone who's younger than you, who yeah. has less experience, less, you know, than who's sort of uh, below you in every sort of social economic indicator outside of the army. Mm. And you know, that's really fascinating. And you know what that does is it it just across the board breaks everyone's like sense of inherent self-worth like if they had worth Mm -hmm. or status outside it just totally Mm -hmm. gets broken everybody experiences what it's like to be on the bottom and powerless Mm -hmm. which is I guess the point (laughs) to prepare you for that (laughs) oh man yes so many um so many like impacts of the military service. And like, I I think we would even, we would even connect it to further back in the school system, Mm -hmm. right. In the, in the office work uh, hierarchy, like the same kind of thing is going on, but in the military, it's this special like hidden zone where no one can hear you from the outside. You're not in touch with your, your family or anything. So it's just this uh, insidious like pure distilled arena for 
abuse in like a fantasy way, almost like you can do anything and have anything done to you in that setting. And, and, and this, this show does, does a good job of starting to Mm -hmm. show like, yeah, this is the extent of what goes on there. So in that, in that sense, I think it's really good for, you know, I'll, I'll just speak as a, as a non-Korean person, a non-Korean fan. It's, it is really valuable for us to get this inside look because we're not going to get it on variety shows. We're not going to hear it from the, <laughs> the idols real themselves. Man Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 진짜 사나이. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> yeah. They actually mentioned that show, right? Like, oh, oh. you know, there's a soldier who, who mentions how they're filming 진짜 사나이 somewhere, you know, at a base, mm. neighbor, neighbor base or something like that. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah night and day. But yeah, I just I I continue to I I continue to wonder, you know, it just seems like a really daunting task to change something that is so ingrained and systemic, so ingrained that it connects to like the use of honorifics with a classmate that's a few months older than you. Like how deep to the core do we have to go to change this issue, you know, and, and with, and, and you were saying, Cynthia, that the, the military just has so much influence and is able to retaliate so hard mm-hmm. against anyone from the inside. Yeah. I just, they're so like, not yeah. accountable. No, right to no one. Yeah. I mean, they have their own military prosecutors, their own military courts and, you know, all sort of recent scandals show how the higher ups are always more, um, they're always trying to just hush up problems, right? In their organization. Yeah. It it almost makes me think that, you know, resist resistance to this starts in our interpersonal relationships, like deciding to make small choices with each other. Like, you know what? I'm not going to talk to you like that. I'm not going to treat you like that. But the the military might be might end up being like the last stronghold mm. of this stuff as like more of us on the outside are like, yeah, I don't feel like acting like this anymore and treating each other differently. Like the military might be the last zone, but I'm curious your, your thoughts on like how, how a change might actually occur in society. Wow. <laughs> you know, there, <laughs> um, you know, our friend Ija, yeah. like his group, his community of friends and colleagues have this sort of movement to not use honorifics. Hey, there we go. To (laughs) always yeah, yeah with everybody, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's actually a game. I'm sure you've seen Uh it in variety shows. Like it's yaja time. Yaja time, yes. And I think some organizations sort of say, okay, we'll have like today or during Hueshik today, it'll be yaja time, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. I mean, we laugh at it, but, Mm. you know, if honorifics it's so ingrained and just powerful uh, or communication i think yeah exactly and you can have respect for one another without using these sort of you know age-old sort of systems Mm -hmm. right totally Um, yeah so yeah i have no easy answer to that Mm -hmm. but i do think maybe women are the answer right there we go (laughs) like i do believe because women don't go through the army yeah. We are inherently more progressive than men in Korean ah. society. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. But, 
you know, Korea is still such a patriarchal Oof. society in yeah, women every Women don't facet, have the power, right? the authority. Yeah. Right, in government and politics, yeah. in the corporate world, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's hard for us, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we're the answer <laughs> if we can start. Yeah, if we don't <laughs> yeah. have that, that, that blind spot or that specific trauma that keeps us mm-hmm. silent. On it, then, then yeah, maybe women will be the you know leading the charge yeah, on this kind of change. It's so funny you say that, Cynthia, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a spoiler for me to say this about season two, but you definitely see female female characters hey. oh, more in season two. Definitely that's taking Great. one leadership roles and also mm-hmm. more action roles in mm-hmm. making change. Wow! In, in the second season, so that okay. that is something that they brought into the second half. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to have to turn it on tonight as I enjoy my sundubu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, right. and, and I guess to, 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 to add on to that, like as far as uh, where they continue these conversations about change, um, again, not, not to spoil anything. I don't think this is a big spoiler, but you do have scenarios in which you have like the 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 general coming onto a news broadcast being like you know the the system is is important because it you know North Korea is a threat and we have ah, to maintain it go. the way it is because that oh. it, it works and then you uh. have you know again the the women coming into the conversation and and saying okay in in these specific scenarios of deserters and the 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 issues that happen when, you know, a deserter either harms another person or harms themselves. Yes, especially in the case of the deserter harming other people, they are at fault. But the system, you know, the government Mm. is also an accomplice in that scenario. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That's right. They don't want that conversation. I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah. Yeah, This weekend. Let's watch it and let's let's Mm. chat about it. All right. Shall we wrap up? Mm-hmm. I just will add one last point just to kind of give updates to how actual changes in the Korean military. So there was a Reuters piece that I found from back in 2021 that mentioned um, that there in certain scenarios, like especially after 2019, when they allowed, uh, again, going back to what you said, Stephanie, of how, you know, of isolation, when they allowed uh, soldiers to use their cell phones, that they there was a lot less. Uh, scenarios of abuse in the barracks mm. because of oh, just again yeah. them being less isolated from from society. Also, they could like record one another. You yes. know, Ooh, that's big. Yeah, I mean, right now there's a huge sort of issue in Korea about bullying of teachers by mm. parents, right? Ah. Ooh. And one of the issues is like they're all getting their cell phones out and recording each other. Right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you are allowed, you know, cell phones, I mean, you could record and document any s- these sort of incidents more clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, more easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll take any any tools, any weapons we can take in this struggle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so on that note, thank you both for a thrilling, insightful conversation on Deserter Pursuit, Deserter Police. Season 2 is out now on Netflix. Check out Season 1 and Season 2. Let us know what you thought of the show and our discussion in our Slack. 
And Cynthia, always a pleasure. Oh my gosh. Yes, like, thank I you just, so much. That was so much fun. Chatting with yeah. you. Is, is there anything that, like, is there any way that folks can follow you and your work, Cynthia, or your, your podcast? Um, you know, they can go on to KBS Radio one fine day and, um, yeah, and catch sort of the art, my weekly segment on K dramas and films that way. Yay. All right. We'll put a link to that in our description as well. And, you know, you can find me on Twitter at sparker2. And I'm on Twitter at Michaela, or X, I guess now. Oh, <laughs> I'm God. Michaela JK. No. I'm not calling oh, it my X. Goodness. I refuse. Just wait. It's not, is it Zeet? Or it's not, you, it's you're not Zeet. like tweeting anything anymore. It's Zeeting? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's. I, mean, I know. Right? I refuse. You're Zeeting each even... other? <laughs> it just sounds so wrong. Oh, my God. It's yeah. such a freak show. Over it there. is. <laughs> Yeah, so we might be on Twitter when you look for us. We might not. You know, you can find just us being at the K-pop cast on wh- whatever things are called nowadays. Twitter, <laughs> Zitter, no, um, Instagram, all of that. Yes. All right. Threads, I guess I don't know. That. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time on the K Drama Cast. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.